What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. Very happy because we are kicking off the first of what will hopefully be many live shows with the man, the myth, the legend, Vish Kumar. And Vish, welcome to the Niners Nation team. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is something that you and I, Rob, have been talking about for a couple of years um and we finally got it to materialize so i'm really excited i'm really excited to do a show with you last week when you and i actually did a monday show which was kind of a preview for this show on my youtube channel um i said that you are my favorite content creator in this space and i didn't lie about that i'm really excited to do it with you and um i'm really looking forward to the journey of our show together Yes. And we're going to, we don't even have a name for it yet. We're open to suggestions, please. We always say rate review, follow the Niners nation podcast network. We want your suggestions, leave your name suggestion in your review. We'll read it on the show. We'll consider it. Maybe if we get a really cool name suggestion, I can talk to the people at homage. They can hook you up with a shirt. They have awesome 49ers stuff. If you want to go and check that out, by the way, there's a link in our description. Just click on the link. It'll take you right to the 49ers page. They have a ton of great stuff. We have a ton of great stuff for you on this show. We're going to get into everything from the game yesterday. Of course, the 49ers lose 28-14. to 14. We'll get into some of the plays in the game. We're also going to get into some of the things that were said after the game because there was a lot of curious things said and a lot of things that we kind of disagreed with. So uh, I'll leave it up to you, Vish. Where do you want to start? What do you think is the most compelling thing coming out of this game? Yeah, to me, there were a lot of things that were definitely compelling. Anytime the Niners lose, it feels like the storylines get so much more dramatic. So there's so many things to talk about. Yes. But if there was one thing that stood out to be to me as something different, maybe a little more profound than something we've heard before after a Niners loss in disappointing fashion, it was George Kittle's statement. I think that's really where we should start. Something that's totally out of character for him to criticize yes let alone criticize his teammates so i i thought that him talking about the lack of effort was a very profound thing to say all right so let's let you hear it if you missed it i know i didn't catch this right after the game i missed it here is what george kittle said usually he's mr positive taking a listen to george at a very high level a lot of energy 100 percent effort on every single play and um you know i haven't watched the tape yet but i don't know if we gave that today you know at every single position and uh, you know, we had a lot of young guys play. We had some, uh, you know, we just, like you said, we're missing a lot of guys. And um, we just got to make sure that we're playing at that level every single snap or otherwise that's going to happen, especially when you are down guys. Uh, you know, I mean, you can look at his, you know, we're down how many ever, seven, eight starters, or you can look at his, that's a lot of young guys with an opportunity to go out there and, you know, make big plays and, you know, get their names known. So um, we've dealt with it before. That is yeah. not the hype man, George Kittlevish. No, that's not right. Usually George Kittle plays this WWE kind of caricature of himself to the media where he jokes with the media and he says funny things and everybody laughs. And then when he's saying something a little more serious, it's usually upbeat and encouraging. That looked more like a warning shot to the younger players on this team who he feels are not playing with the effort that he feels. That looked like hey, this is 49ers football. We've been to two NFC championship games in three years. There's a standard we expect to play at, and you better be playing at that standard. That's what I took that comment to be. And that's, again, a very out-of-character thing for George Kittle to say. My question is, number one, like, why is he saying that? Because he talked about the young people that were playing, but most of those were on defense because they were missing at 1.8 defensive starters. I thought the defense played well enough to win. Were they at their best? No, but no one's going to be with almost the entire starting lineup gone. So it, it was surprising to me to him talk about young guys. It was like, well, wait a minute. Most of those guys were on defense and they did their job. Right, right. Like we're talking about the eight starters that he said were missing. All eight of those guys were on defense. Yes, they are missing starters in their offensive line. Mixing and matching, losing McGlinchey, those things definitely helped. But I think that's where, Rob, it's funny you bring that up because I feel like we directly know who he's talking about. He's talking about the offensive line. That's the only position where young guys had to come in and play next to George Kittle. And it'll be fun to go back and watch because I haven't been able to do that with the film and see if there were misassignments in the run game, if that was the issue. But 
I don't think that was the case. I thought the offensive line held up besides a few brutal penalties from a guy who struggled all season in Jake Brendel. Besides that, I thought the offensive line held up. Garoppolo had all day to throw. And yeah. really, the Falcons have one guy in their pass rush that could have impacted the game. And the Niners neutralized that guy. 97, Grady Jarrett, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. The Niners yep. neutralized Grady Jarrett yesterday. And even despite that, and, you know, despite opportunities to throw the ball, the offense struggled. So when you go into all of that, that's where I, I, I'm a little bit perplexed by why he said it. There's so many times we've seen the Niners in the last three years lose games like this. I mean, you go back to 2020, Nick Mullins are not losing to that NFC East in 2020, three times out of four. The only <laughs> game they won was the Giants was pathetic. They should have won those games, especially the game they lost against Washington when Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith couldn't move the ball a centimeter for a second half. And losing that game was pathetic. Then last year, you go down some of those losses, the loss to Arizona um, with Colt McCoy. That that was pathetic. And so we've seen these kinds of losses in the Shanahan era. These aren't things that we're unaccustomed to seeing. My question is, we've never had a questioning of effort despite this happening before. And one of the things I would say is a testament to Shanahan is despite a lot of outside questions surrounding the 49ers the last years, sometimes it's drama created by him and how he's handled the quarterback situation. Not sometimes. It's all drama created by him and how he's handled <laughs> yep. the quarterback situation. But despite all of that, the two things that have been consistent in the Shanahan era is the team's effort is unquestionable. Everybody goes out there and competes and gives it their all. And then their unity in terms of how they stand for one another is impossible to question. And here we are. This is, I would say, the first time in the season, this season, this team with Garoppolo at quarterback has kind of faced a crossroads and they lost a tough game to a team that's, I think, slightly better than people want to give it credit for. I, I did think that Atlanta had the ability to do and give the 49ers defense the trouble they gave them yesterday in the run game. But all that aside, and here you are, one of the team leaders, and he doesn't say, well, we got to play better. We're still 3-3. Three and three. We're first in the NFC West. Because those are the things, if I was in George Kittle's position, I would tell the media. And We're he could have said that. West. It's not the end of the world. We still control our own destiny. We're 2-0 in the division. All these things could have been said, and he went straight to guys need to play harder. That He could have said all that stuff. You're right. He deliberately chose not to. CJ said, Kittle effort comments. I don't know why that was necessary to say. He thought it was necessary. Yeah. Clearly. Um, and you're right. It is troubling because... They shouldn't, they had plenty to play for in this game. A win would have made them four and two, would have given them another win in the conference, would have helped separate them in the NFC West. And they had every reason to come out. And by the way, you stayed at the Greenbrier for a reason, didn't you? Didn't you stay right. at the Greenbrier because you wanted to be fresh and come out out of the gates on fire and you wanted to look good right away, right? They look like they just flew in from California, mm -hmm. at least the offense. It's, it, it was very, very troubling to see that comment from Kittle. I'm interested to see if uh, he has a media session this week, if that gets followed up on, because it should. It absolutely should. Kyle Shanahan's going to speak at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time today, although the Niners usually end up moving I, I think that. that should be a direct question to Shanahan more so, because Kittle will clarify and get himself out of this very easily. Yeah. I think it should be a direct question to Shanahan and say, now that you got an opportunity to go back and watch the film, did you think there were issues with effort? Because if there's issues with effort... All these things, stats that we're about to discuss over the next 30, 40 minutes reacting to this game changes. Because if the questions go from injuries, execution to effort, then we got to change our outlook for this team. And I'm sitting here on Monday morning looking at this team three and three, still the best team in the NFC West. And I say there's no reason for me to change my outlook. I still think they're arguably the best team in the NFC. I know how good this roster is. But if you're telling me there's an effort issue, and there's a disconnect with George Kittle and what he's expecting in terms of effort from his teammates, then I definitely don't look at this team as the best team in the NFC. Well, okay, hold on a sec there. Let's let's get into that because you said something, and this is a like the more I've thought about this game, this is sort of the realization that I have come to. Mm -hmm. And that is the two things we hear about the 49ers are they're a super talented roster, one of the best rosters in the NFC, if not the NFL and that Shanahan is a really good play caller. Well, guess what? One of those things has to be false based on what we've seen. 
because the offense has struggled and it's not just this year. It's quite some time and they lose games like this too often. There are too many of these games that the 49ers should win and yet they don't. And that's why Kyle Shanahan's record as a coach is under 500. You shouldn't lose to the Denver Broncos when you give up 11 points. You shouldn't lose to the Chicago Bears. I don't care if they played that game on the moon. You shouldn't lose to the Chicago Bears if both of those things are true. Yet here we are, Vish, again with another loss to an inferior team. So which, if I had to ask you which one of those two things isn't true, where are you going? I'm going to do something you hate. Oh, he's going to sit on the fence. I'm going to waffle, yeah. And I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the conversation's a lot deeper than, well, one of these things aren't true. Because I think that the I think defenses are just very comfortable. They've seen what this offense does with Garoppolo under center. They know how it looks. And all of Shanahan's wrinkles, and he does have wrinkles in every game. And those wrinkles are brilliant. They're innovative. They're game plan specific. And they do generate plays. But there's nothing, there's not that automatic, you know what, hey, I don't need somebody to do something no matter what this play, like anybody can execute it and get the big plays. It's harder for them to create those because they're unable to run the football the same way they used to be. And, you know, you look at all the five-man fronts that defenses are playing because of how much wide zone is being run in the NFL. Every team has to have their adjustment for how they want to run wide zone. If you remember last year, the Niners had a lot of these same issues on offense, and they had the same issues at the end of the season. The only time the offense was kind of okay last year was that in-between stretch. And it's not really about Garoppolo. It was more about, well, in that in-between stretch in the middle of the season, they saved their season by moving Debo to running back. And yep. they found a way to get on the outside and run wide zone by tossing the ball to Debo instead of handing it off. Remember, Mike McDaniel used to talk about that, how he felt Debo could hit the hole faster. He did a couple of really insightful press conferences on exactly that topic. And so when you talk about those two things and then you talk about how Shanahan had a wrinkle for his run game where he was now going to add this quarterback element. And there's a stat, right? Akash tweeted out that the Niners are 27th in EPA per play for a rush. And if you actually look at the top 10 teams in EPA per play in terms of EPA per rush, excuse me, five of those teams have a real 11 on 11 aspect where their run game has a quarterback element, and you have to account for the quarterback in the run game. And the Niners had that element, and they were averaging six yards a carry with Trey Lance, even then when the offense wasn't looking that good. Right. And now they're averaging 3.9 yards a carry. They're missing Elijah Mitchell. They're missing Trent Williams. Both those guys do have an impact on this conversation. But the conversation to me goes beyond that. It's that, you know, the wrinkle they had for this offense at this point, it feels like defenses kind of know what happens with this offense. And the issue I have which Shanahan is not the two things you mentioned. It goes a step further, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. There's too much redundancy in terms of the personnel and the coaching in this offense for there to be so many week-to-week execution errors. And the issue with this offense right now is because of how people know that it's run, it's a little more difficult to generate explosive plays, which means they have to execute cleaner on a down in and down out basis because Debo Samuel doesn't bail them out the way he did last year by taking a screen 45 yards and changing a drive and if you go to that part of the conversation stats and you say that well this offense for having all these veteran players who have been with this system this coaching staff this quarterback and played together for so long they are not capable of executing at that level and being that efficient enough to score like that. And the margins are too high right now. Remember that play in 2019 against the Packers, 49ers Packers, Niners were up big. Packers started coming back. All of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo drops back and George Kittle is 50 yards open down the field. Like no one's in the same zip code as he is. Jimmy Garoppolo throws it. Kittle catches it. Touchdown 49ers. They snuff out the Packers comeback. They go on to win that game, right? right? I'm probably wrong on this, but it feels like that's the last sort of big explosive play that Kyle Shanahan engineered, at least in the pass game, maybe not the rush game. Now, if you look at the pass game and look at their explosive plays, it's a screen pass to Debo. And Debo breaks three tackles and runs 50 yards. It's 
guys making effort plays. It's Kittle breaking three tackles and making a play. You don't seem to have as many guys that are wide open as we used to in the past. And I think maybe that's because of what you've said. The Shanahan system is out there now. Everybody's seen it for so long. Everybody's practicing against it as his coaching staff and Sean McVay's coaching staff have spread out, you know, among the league. It's not the new thing anymore. And to be fair, I think that Kyle recognized that he's talked about having to evolve. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Trey Lance, but Trey is gone now. So this is what you have. You've got to be able to come up with something else. Right. And I I think that the issues go a little bit further because from a physical philosophical standpoint, the offense is so built around, you know, philosophically, we want to be a wide zone team and they don't even run, you know, wide zone as much anymore, but philosophically they want to start their offense from there and then build everything off of it. And where Shanahan is truly brilliant is the play action pass, right? It's once he gets that run game working, he just creates chunk plays after chunk plays by creating open people in the pass game. Well, they've been unable to get the run game going. And I think that Shanahan was aware of the issues with the run game. I think that's why he ultimately drafted the quarterback he did. And I think that the game plan that they had the first two weeks were not only an indict, were not only a reflection of where the quarterback was at the time and how they felt they needed to use him, but also an example of, well, they felt to get their run game and to get this entire offense operating at peak performance, they needed to do it that way with the quarterback element. That's the way they were going to run the ball successfully. And if you remove that, Rob, this team is not equipped to drop back and pass. And right now it looks like that's what they need to start doing on early downs because Garoppolo is playing okay. IU Kittle and Debo are their three best offensive players. There's no right. way Jeff Wilson should be getting more touches than IU or Kittle. It's just the reality of the situation because those two are more likely to do something special than Jeff Wilson. Eric, can we agree there? 100%. Okay. And the problem is, one, Shanahan seems to be reluctant to live in that area. And I understand why it's hard. And when your quarterback makes the mistakes that Garoppolo does, and, you know, he played well, so I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing him, but the two-minute drive, right? A minute of three seconds, you get the ball, you have a minute, three seconds, timeout. Veteran quarterback, and he takes a dumb sack on that drive. On a two-minute drill, quarterback driving down the field, veteran quarterback knows that if I take a sack, the drive's over. That's what kills the drive. If I throw the ball away and it's second and ten, we don't lose that much time on the clock. He took the dumb sack. He fumbled. That was the drive. And when you're making mistakes like this, it's hard to ask your quarterback to drop back that time. And it's not just a Shanahan thing. It was a Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson thing too. Russell Wilson passed up too many open passes, too many dumb sacks. That's why I let Russ Cook was never a thing, not to go there. But the reason I bring that up is if you can't trust your quarterback to drop back and pass, you have to live kind of where the Niners are living right now. And that's what I think is ultimately the issue with the offense. And the solution is Shanahan has to trust Garoppolo, I think. Right. Well, just the, put it on him. But you can't keep not trusting him, but also keep bringing him back, right? Like right. if you didn't trust him, why did you want him back? Those two things don't mesh. But if that's the world the 49ers are living in. They they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, but Kyle still kind of thinks he can win with them. So I guess we'll bring him back because all we had was Brock Purdy. It's a weird, weird scenario. Uh, let's get to a little more post-game side if we could. Let's get to Jimmy Garoppolo after the game talking about the offense. Going into this game with, uh, who we were going into this game with, and that's just on the offense. You know, we... Uh, Putting up zero points in the second half is that's not us, and so we just gotta gotta get back to the drawing board. Just get back to our style of football, and uh, I think the rest will take care of itself. But yeah, we can't we can't put out a performance like this today. Here's the problem, Vish. It is who they are. Let's look at the 49ers in the second half this season, shall we? Week one, three points. Week two, seven points. Week three, three points. Week four, only three points in the second half, even though they scored ten because seven came from a Hufanga pick six. And week five, now week five, granted, they put up 20 against the Panthers. That's to their credit. And then, of course, we know yesterday they didn't put up any. So Jimmy can sit there and say this is not who we are. Yes, it is. They are averaging six offensive points in the second half this season. That This offense is broken. Yeah. And I, you you take you got to take that a step further. First of all, I appreciate what he said. He was absolutely right. When you look at the game and who they came in with and who played on defense and the offense they were going up against and the defense they went up against, 
14 points is absolutely unacceptable. Zero points is, in the second half is unacceptable. But you talked about, well, this is who they are. My bigger question is he said we got to get back to who we are. Who are you? What is it that this 49ers team does well on offense? Are they the smash mount run team that the 2019 49ers? No, were? no. Are they going to be, well, we're going to find a way to get Debo Samuel, the ball. He's going to run it eight times. He's going to catch it seven times. Are you that team? I thought maybe versus the Rams. He had a crappy game versus Carolina. This game, it didn't feel like, well, we're going to do whatever we can to get Debo the ball and get, oh, just Debo is going to make a few explosive plays. So what are the 49ers on offense? Busted, pretty much. I mean, they really can't drop back and pass. They The frustrating thing was the Falcons can only win a game one way, right? Run the ball down your throat, control the clock, let Mariota have run pass options on third and shorts. And guess what? That's exactly how they won the game. The only way they could. The 49ers can only win the game one way too. Don't get down by multiple scores, control the clock, run the ball. They can't win the game any other way. If the game script doesn't go perfectly for them, they can't function unless they have the number one defense. And right. that's and, where they are. And you saw the stat, right? To build off of this, the stat that they're 0-26 when trailing in the fourth quarter or by, trailing while going in. five or more points. Yep. Yeah. Under Kyle Shanahan. And I understand it's been with a lot of different quarterbacks. Who cares, But at the man? same time, you would expect that number not to be zero. Like by <laughs> right. hook or crook, you should be able to win one of those. That's pathetic. That's really real. How can you be an offensive team? And yet, if you go into the fourth quarter trailing by five, it's over. It's over. Like that, that is brutal. That is just unbelievably bad. And it's been that way, I feel like, for a while. And, you know, people are talking about, well, the defense should have done this or that. The Falcons go up two scores, right? In the third quarter, they score a touchdown. You know what they did after that? D'Amico Ryans called the defense together on the sideline because Fred Warner mentioned this. And D'Amico basically said to them, get your stuff together. And guess what happened after that? Punt, punt, punt. The Falcons didn't do anything the rest of the game on offense. So you, right. Kyle Shanahan could sit there and talk about, oh, woe is us. We got down by two scores. Well, guess what? The defense gave you every opportunity. You had a quarter and a half to chip away at that lead. And you went five plays and out. Six plays and a pick, 16 plays, 80 yards, and nothing, and then four uh, bogus plays at the end of the game. So, my bad, go ahead. No, no, the defense got their stuff together. It's the offense that was the problem. And it goes a step further than that, right, Rob? Because the defense played well. And, um, you know, Shanahan acknowledged it too after the game. A lot of people look at the Jeff Wilson fumble early and the Niners going down 14-0. Well, they were never in it. They lost by two scores. They went down two scores early. That's not true. They tied they it up. They brought this game back in the second half. And then Shanahan says the Mariota run was the turning point oh. of the game. Yeah, can we and listen to that? that? When he said it at the time, I agreed with him, Rob. But now looking back at the game and watching some of it this morning and watching some of it on film, I say – BS. I don't know if we can swear on Niners Nation, so I will keep it PG for Niners Nation and say BS. And you know why I say BS? The game was not lost there because it was still a one-score game. And guess who got the ball first to start the second half? The The San Francisco 49ers. Their first three drives of the second half. Punt, punt, interception. Atlanta, their first drive of the second half, went on a five-minute drive, scored a touchdown. Bang. Game was over right then and there. The Niners had an opportunity to take advantage and take control of this game. Really, the game started anew in that second half. Even though you were down a score, you were getting the ball first. You could dictate how that half goes. And the Niners' defense kept getting stop after stop after that touchdown drive in the second half. And the Niners' offense didn't do anything, which all, you know, ultimately uh, ended with um, the 15-minute or whatever, eight-minute drive that they went all the way down, didn't score on fourth down to really end the game. But the game was already kind of over before that drive. Yeah, listen to Kyle Shanahan after the game talking about that Mariota play. This play in that game was in the second quarter, that third and 13. We finally got him in a long third down and um, was, I don't know what happened, but um, got free in the middle and Mariota was allowed to um, scramble for the first down and then ended up getting seven-point lead um, to go in at halftime. Kyle, 
The score was tied when that play happened in the second quarter. That's the biggest play of the game. Right. Again, it just goes to if things don't go perfectly according to plan for this team, they can't react. They can't overcome adversity. They cannot take a punch. And I'm sorry, that's absurd. To me, that kind of throws the defense under the bus a little bit. And I don't like that if you're Kyle. You, the score was tied. It was the second quarter. And it wasn't even a scoring play. Like, I'm that I don't like that. The more I hear it, the more I don't like it, Vish. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, we're watching it right now. They brought a blitz. Mariota escapes. It's a hell of a run. They scored a touchdown on this play, but you had a minute and three seconds and a timeout on offense. You got the ball back. You did nothing with it. Then the second half starts, and I, I brought up those two drives, and we do have to talk about what went on in those drives, right? The two drops, the first drive, the first punt, the first drive coming out of the half, Ray Ray McLeod drops, you know, what was argue, possibly a walk-in touchdown. Beautiful throw from Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners also did get an opportunity on that drive, third and here it is. And they did get an opportunity on that drive right after this play. It was third and 10. They did not convert. That's... So, yes, Ray Ray McLeod should catch the ball. But, you know, there was another opportunity. They didn't convert. Same thing the very next drive. Charlie Warner, again, beautiful throw from Jimmy Garoppolo. He drops that um, what was a great throw, another explosive play. And what should have been. That was on second and six. Once again, you had another third down opportunity on third and six after that. And I, those drops to me were probably the biggest turning points in the game because that was an opportunity for the Niners offense to put a statement on it. But this offense, it shouldn't be where, oh, we have one good play. Oh, no, it didn't work. Therefore, we are excused for not converting on the subsequent third down, right? Yes. You go watch any really good offense in the NFL. They have errors like this. Guys drop passes. I watch the Chiefs every week just because I like watching Mahomes. And, you know, there's a couple ridiculous plays Mahomes makes that they drop. The reason we don't remember it is the very next play on third and six, Mahomes does something equally ridiculous. And that's where I cannot excuse the Niners offense, even though those drops happen, because there were more opportunities beyond those two plays to capitalize in this game. And they didn't take advantage. A thousand percent. Two, and I don't know if it's it's fans and it's some content creators too. We're valuing the process too much sometimes. Like, yes. Jimmy's numbers should be better. The offense's numbers should be better, but they aren't. And they weren't because they didn't make those plays. And you pointed it out perfectly. There were chances after those plays. They didn't end drives. They had third downs after those plays. What happened after the first one? Not only did they not convert, it was a third and 10 and they checked it down for five. Then they gave up a 30 yard punt return on the punt in that possession. And after the Charlie Warner drop, which was terrible, Jimmy has a chance to convert on third down. There's a free rusher coming in. Jimmy rushes the throw, throws behind Jeff Wilson for a first down, and they don't convert. So, yes, they drop those plays. But, again, why is the this team always playing on a tightrope? Why is the margin for error so small? Oh, we didn't get those two plays. That's it. Well, we, we can't do anything else. That's it. We, those were our shots. It's almost like Kyle Shanahan wants us to know, like, hey, I, I dialed up these plays, and they didn't work out. Like, it's not on me. Like, the more I look at this, the more I think like he thinks he did enough and and he didn't and they didn't. And now you're just starting to get me frustrated. I usually come on these Mondays and I try to keep it cool, composed, analyst hat, just try to give my thoughts, be very objective, as honest as possible. But now you're you're kind of riling up the fan in me because now you're talking well, about Shanahan. And all I think about right now when I think about Shanahan is that if the 49ers are in third and one or third and two, Shanahan is running the football with Jeff Wilson or Kevin Coleman, <laughs> and they're immediately subsequently losing a yard and punting the ball on fourth down. I think it happened twice yesterday. It happened a couple of times last week in Carolina. At least one of those times he went for it on fourth down. It feels so predictable at this point. I feel like the only time they go for it on third and short and throw the football is if they're in a down, they're in a dis, down and distance where they're in like a two minute offense. It's hurry up. We got the quarterback in the shotgun. We're going with pace because we have to go and score. We're trailing the game late. Otherwise, you give Shanahan a third and short, you know, somewhere near midfield or, you know, the offense is moving. That's a guaranteed run and it gets stuffed. And I, I, I thought that that tendency wouldn't exist. 
as much with Shanahan after the fact that that third and the inability to convert second and third and one is the reason the 49ers didn't go to the Super Bowl yep. last year. One of the reasons, along with obviously the Jaquasti tart drop, as well as, you know, execution errors later in drives and the inability to do anything on offense. But that just, God, Rob, I, I'm sorry to take it there. But you brought a little bit of frustration and anger out of me. And when I think anger and frustration with the 49ers, that's the one thing that really has gotten me hot over the last few weeks. Anthony watching on the Niners Nation YouTube page says execution on plays and being ready is on the coach everywhere else. Why is it not on Kyle Shanahan? That's fair. That is absolutely fair. And, you know, he likes to say, well, we didn't execute. We didn't execute. It's like, yeah, players are not going to execute every time. Again, to require your players to all have to execute perfectly on every play, and if they miss one, that's it. That's terrible strategy. That's terrible coaching. And the other thing – oh, did you have something? I, I I wanted to add a disclaimer to that. All right. Because I think the execution in this game specifically, if we're going to take it to this game, obviously it's a universal problem with Shanahan, and that's how you're discussing it right now because we've heard – the same exact thing on repeat every single year besides 2019. If you even remember 17 and 18, I understand it was Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, but that team was in position to win so many more of those games. And we kind of just said yes. they were a young team. They're still learning how to win. It's a young head coach, but they beat themselves in a lot of those games. You go back to 2017, you think about the Indianapolis game and some of those games early, like that was just the Niners giving those games away after dominating a lot of them through, through and through. And so this has been kind of a theme with the Shanahan thing. The one thing I'll say is the difficulty when execution, when you have so many moving parts, we know they have so many guys that are getting injured week to week, and they're having so many guys on short notices having to play. I feel like I don't know how the reps are being divided with practice. So I would give them that excuse for this week and this week in particular, Rob. But next week, you know, if they walk in, they know who's going to play next week, right? It, it shouldn't be a surprise, right? You don't expect Mooney Ward to get hurt in game. You should know who plays. If people are playing, there should be no excuse because you're repping it throughout the week. You're repping for certain guys to play in certain spots. So that's what I would add. Other teams have injuries too. Again, yeah, you had injuries. Okay. Overcome the adversity, man. Something didn't go according to plan. Great. But it's got to be better than this. You can't just throw up your hands and have that be the end of it. I'm going through really quickly right now. Let me just, let's see, that's 36, 38, 42, 45, 41. The Niners are minus 41 in turnover differential in Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Minus 40. Oh. One, that means they have turned the ball over 41 more times and they have taken it away. That's with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's with Nick Mullins. That's with CJ Beathard. That's with Brian Hoyer. Whoever you want to talk about, the cast has changed. The quarterbacks have changed. The receivers have changed. You know what hasn't changed? The head coach. And that's inescapable at this point. And at some point, he's got to take the blame for that. Minus 41, that is Hitty, I guarantee you that's the worst in the league. Has to be. Has to be the worst in the league. Why do they keep turning the damn ball over? I don't know. I don't know. And I think it's a great question, Rob, but I don't think it's a question the coach himself has been asked. We see the quarterback do dumb things on Sunday, so the media asks the quarterback, hey, Jimmy, what happened on that pick? But I don't think anybody has drawn the conclusion, well, coach, your team turns the ball over no matter what. What can you do to prevent that? What are you doing to, you know, prevent that as a coach? And I, I don't think he's going to have an answer that would make any fan happy or that would satisfy you, Rob. But just knowing that that's part of the conversation, I think, would change how he answered that question. There's an old expression. Herm Edwards told it to me when I was at working at ESPN. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, Right. What Both of those scenarios are wrong. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And I don't know why, because again, if it was just Jimmy Garoppolo, you could say, okay, well, it's the quarterback. Yeah. But it's not just Jimmy. It's not. It's multiple quarterbacks that have gone in there and they keep doing this. And that's why they lose games. Uh, somebody had the stat yesterday. Now I can't find it off the top of my head. But like most teams, when they win the turnover differential, they win the game. 
Like this is literally the one thing you need to do to help you win and you can't stop it. And that's a problem to me. Right. Absolutely, Rob. And it takes a step further, right? Because we spent we we ad nauseum beat the death uh the quarterback and the issues the quarterback has turning the football over. The last two weeks you had a George Kittle fumble. It's the second time in two years, you know, he's had a fumble lost in kind of mm-hmm. an advantageous spot. The Niners are creating momentum. Last year against Arizona, it, it contributed to a loss. This year, they were able to overcome it. But you have a veteran player fumbling. Debo Samuel was also fumbled this year. So you have an issue with ball security. And now Jeff Wilson has lost two fumbles in two pretty key moments that have lost two games. And, you know, we're overlooking that because there's so much to talk about with this team that we have not talked about the fact that Jeff Wilson has lost two fumbles. But that's where I look at it. Well, Jeff Wilson is fumbling twice, yet the Niners' best option to not play Jeff Wilson is Tevin Coleman, who wouldn't be signed right now and who's on their practice squad, and he can only be brought up, I think, two more times. I think that was the first of the three times he's been brought up. So you can only use Jeff Wilson two more times. What if Elijah Mitchell has a setback with his injury? I don't know if Jeff Wilson's in the trust tree. We've seen Shanahan neglect backs for much less. You did draft a guy in the third round named Ty Davis Price, but that guy is not in the trust tree enough to beat out Tevin Coleman, who was on the street two weeks ago. And then there's Jordan Mason, who you believe in, who's kind of being stashed as a long-term. Like, I'm so confused how this is being handled from a personnel standpoint, the running back situation. Like to me, it feels like, oh my God, I look at it and we're talking about like discipline and all these things with turnovers and stuff. It feels like we're just gearing up for them to say, Debo, come save our season and play running back again. Because they need this running back. They put so much on this running back. They, They expect this running back each time to carry the ball 15, 20 times. It gets Elijah Mitchell hurt almost every time he plays, it seems, in the last two years. And now you're stuck with Jeff Wilson, who's not equipped to be this guy. Um, and he's also fumbled, had two bad fumbles losses. Like, those are bad plays that shouldn't happen, and it's now happened twice. I, I don't know, Rob. I don't know. I'm just going on random loose tangents now. Well, imagine you can't get in the trust tree, but, like, you never play. So how the hell are you supposed to get in the trust tree? And I actually just went back because I'm a glutton for punishment, and I started watching the Trey Lance game against the Seahawks. Ty Davis Price got in, and he had a couple of really good carries, and he looked good. I know he's been hurt for some of the year, too, so that may be a factor, but it's very, very frustrating to me. There there are certain things that keep coming up with Kyle Shanahan year after year. Guys not being in the trust tree or getting in the doghouse and seemingly have to spend half a season getting out, like Brandon Ayuk, who, by the way, was like the only Niners offensive player that came ready to play yesterday yeah, it was terrific yesterday and the other thing to me is the lack of urgency either at the end of the first half or in this game and this one drove me nuts 49ers down two scores right they, they now it's nut cutting time okay they get the ball back there's 10 minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter they're on the one they need to haul ass to get down the field because they got to get two scores and the falcons have been amazing at taking time off the clock on offense And they don't run a hurry-up offense until there's four minutes left in the game. And not only that, it took them two and a half minutes to go 20 yards, Vish. When the clock is your enemy, the Falcons are willing to give up yards because they just want time to tick off the clock. And the 49ers had zero urgency. And after the game, Kyle Shanahan sat there and defended it and said, well, we knew we were going to get the ball back twice, so why are we going to panic? No, dude, your game plan can't be, well, now we have to score every time we get the ball. Like, that, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get how to manage a game. It's six years into this now. It's it's getting worse. Yeah, and, like, I guess I kind of defend him because you can't really run a hurry-up offense from your own one-yard line. So I get that aspect of it. But it also shouldn't take two and a half minutes to go 20 yards. And I think that that gives us really the root of the 49ers' problems. There is nothing explosive about this offense today. I repeat that. There is nothing explosive about this offense today. And the one thing that saved this offense last year by being explosive, despite having all these same issues, was number 19. Now, can he do it again? That's the question. But the issue you're talking about there, Rob, it's not just a sense of urgency. They have no way of getting a chunk play and moving the ball 20 yards so we can jumpstart our offense. 
It's all very deliberate. Garoppolo drops back. They didn't create pressure. Atlanta really was sitting back and allowing them to throw. He goes through his reads. He comes down. It's a nonchalant throw underneath. Kittle gets eight yards. They get in the huddle. They lined up again. They did that for eight minutes yesterday. And everybody's stats got really, really good. Yep. George Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo all had a great game together. No, no, they didn't. Half the, besides Ayuk, a lot of Debo and Kittle's production in that game was accumulated when they went up and down the field to do nothing. A meaningless drive where the Falcons could not have cared less. All the Falcons wanted to do was make them take time off the clock, and they played right into their hands. Garoppolo had 93 passing yards on that drive. If you take that away, he had 203 on the day. So the offense was just flat bad. But the fact that that was Kyle Shanahan's logic on that, it's staggering to me. Like, how can that be? Well, we knew we were going to get the ball back two more times. First of all, no, you don't. Because you don't know if you're going to be able to actually stop Atlanta. And second of all, why are you not trying to score as fast as possible? So if you do get the ball back and you happen to not score on a possession, the game isn't over. Like, he doesn't get it. It's like he thinks if they went to hurry up that they would be panicking. Like, no. And by the way, you're getting your ass kicked by the Falcons in a game you should won. Maybe you should panic a little bit. This is the perfect time to panic. Yeah, it was the time to panic, and I'll tell you why it's the time to panic, right? I want to elaborate on that point, right? So the Niners got that ball left with about 10 minutes left in the game. They outpossessed Atlanta in that 10 minutes of the game, 80% to 20, right? They possessed it for about, or actually 90%. They possessed it for about nine minutes. Atlanta possessed it for that one possession for a minute. That kind of skews the outlook that everybody had on that game about getting the ball back, right? Because, you know, now the Niners aren't doing so poorly in terms of time time of possession. No, they got their ass handed to them in terms of time of possession yesterday. Yep. In the remaining 50 minutes in that game, Atlanta possessed it for around 31 minutes of that time, and the Niners possessed it for 19 minutes. That's a 3-2, to 60-40, to 40, you know, ratio. Like, that's you don't know if you're getting the ball back there. Like, right, the Atlanta drive at the end of that game was also so different because the Niners were done at that point. So they were just giving the ball back to the Niners and like, yeah, let's get out of here. We won this game. But the lack of urgency because we know we're getting the ball back. No, your defense got a couple of really good stops in the third quarter. But Atlanta's running game is still very real. Your defense doesn't have a lot of depth. Your defensive line is tired. Atlanta's offensive line has been running the football and moving people the entire game. You know, the old adage, you run the football, you know, and get two yards in the first quarter, and then you break off the 40-yard run in the fourth quarter when the defensive line is tired. So there's no guarantee that the Niners are getting the ball back, given that they're fully banged up in their front seven, and they're probably tired on defense in the fact that they're playing in the East Coast second times in two weeks. And for the first 50 minutes of the game, they've been on the field for 31 plus minutes. And so with all of that, I am 100% with you. Where was the urgency? Because the time of possession gets skewed right now when we look at the stats, thanks to that eight minute drive. Second and 10 at the 46 with 544 left in the game. They run Tevin Coleman out of the shotgun and lose two yards. Why are you running if you're the 49ers in that scenario? I will never understand it. Why are you running the ball at that point? It makes no sense for you to run with Tevin Coleman with five minutes to go in the game down two scores. And I can tell you why they were trying to do it because they were so terrified of third and long that that's all that Kyle was trying to do. But that's so that's just so indicative of how broken this offense is. It's just It's really, really frustrating. And Kyle has to take heat on that. He's the coach. He's the offensive coordinator. He has to take heat. I agree with that. I don't think there's any doubt of that at this point. And I think when people hear you say take heat, they immediately go into, well, who who are they going to get that does it better? Or, oh, you're saying fire Shanahan or all those things. No, that's not what Rob is saying. Rob is saying that Kyle Shanahan needs to be criticized for the lack of performance of his team. It's that simple sometimes. I think everybody always looks for, well, what do you mean by that? No, he doesn't mean anything by that. Shanahan needs accountability. It's not he should be fired or he should be replaced. It's simple. Just take accountability for the fact that this offense is not good. Like, let alone being okay or mediocre or being, you know, pretty good. It is bad. It is a bad offense right now. It's broken. And 
like, I don't know why people don't want to call him out on that. And he keeps like talking about, well, it would have been better with this opportunity, that opportunity. I mean, they've been held to 14 points or less in half of the games this year. In the last 15 games, the 49ers are averaging a little over 21 points per game. And again, this is the team we're supposed to have, right? With Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and all that. And this genius coach, it's time for him to be squared out and just say, Kyle, it ain't working. And and the pillowy soft press corps that the 49ers have, I guess we got to depend on Grant to ask it because nobody else is going to, but it needs to be asked. Right. I, it does need to be asked. And I was watching the game last night, right? You, I was watching an offense on the road, backup quarterback, um, definitely nowhere near the weapons as the 49ers. Um, I would say their offensive line is probably better now that the Niners' offensive line got injured. But I wouldn't say coming into the season they had a better offensive line because Trent Williams was healthy for the first three and a half quarters of the Denver debacle. And, you know, Philly is one of the best defenses in the NFL, and I thought Dallas in that second half had a clear identity, a plan, and they had a way of moving the ball. And they showed more rhythm than I've seen, seen the Niners' offense show besides. Because the the Rams game fooled everybody, right? That was a good offensive performance. No, As it wasn't. it always does. <laughs> Debo Samuel took what would have been a pick six for a 58-yard touchdown. So, no, that was a very rocky offensive performance, but the defense dominated, which mm-hmm. – ultimately accumulated in um, the pick six from Talanoa Hufunga, which was adding seven points to the point total. So they've had one good offensive game, and that was a game the quarterback played excellent. And that was Garoppolo versus Carolina. Besides that, the offense has been bad. And I'm watching, you know, Dallas, who doesn't have a very good offense. They're missing their starting quarterback. They certainly don't have a Debo Samuel. I like CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, but I'll take Debo, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk over those two any day. And then they don't have a George Kittle. They're George Kittle, Dalton Schultz, who they franchise tag is currently hurt. And they're going on the road against an undefeated team with maybe the best defense in the NFL. After the Niners, Philly's got to be in the conversation. And they were horrible in the first half, but I saw more rhythm, more like we know what we're going to do as an offense, more flow and ability to convert. And I've seen from the Niners offense all year. And it's not to say, well, I think Dallas is better or comparing Dallas and the 49ers. It's to say there's a massive issue here. And I don't know what it is, but this offense shouldn't be bad. Jay Marr watching on the YouTube page says our offense has been awful for six years, minus 2019 running the ball. Other than that, what have what has that side of the ball done? It's clearly been the problem way more than it hasn't been in San Francisco. And that was the one thing you thought you could count on when you were hiring Kyle Shanahan. And that's just a fact. And he, he may not like it, and he may bristle and get prickly if you bring it up. Those are the facts, to quote a few good men, and they are not in dispute. Rob, you know what I want in my life? See, you got to experience it, right? Because the Niners, their history, it's rich with offense. You've seen the offense. You've seen what it's like to have the quarterback that has the good stats. Ever since I was a kid, because I had to go through. <laughs> when I started watching, it, was, it started off with the Dennis Erickson, Mike Nolan. I kind of started Yeesh. right with Alex Smith and 2005 and that was kind of my introduction to Niners football and then I thought Jim Harbaugh would come and if you remember Jim Harbaugh's reputation is a little different but the way the Bay Area media covered Jim Harbaugh when he was hired by the 49ers was that he was coming from Palo Alto the same way Bill Walsh did and he was coming to save the 49ers offense and I'll never forget because my dad and I always watch the games together and the first thing he told me after watching one half of Jim Harbaugh in 2012, in 2011 versus the Seattle Seahawks, the Teddy Ginn punt return, kick return, touchdown game is that, damn, for all this Jim Harbaugh hype with the offense, the offense does not look a lot better than what Jimmy Ray was doing. And it was better, but ultimately we realized that offense, you know, was a running football team in the past game had nothing. And I'm watching quarterback after quarterback, mediocre quarterback after quarterback throw for 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, all of this. A not bunch us. of different receivers have 80 catch thousand yard seasons. And the Niners finally hire a guy who's a quote unquote offensive genius. And I, I just... From a statistical output standpoint, I'm sorry. I I know how much Shanahan and Garoppolo have won together, and they've done a lot of great things together. So I'm not overlooking any of that. I'm just saying from a statistical output standpoint, why is it so hard for the 49ers to have something competent on the offensive side? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Especially in the past game. When all these other teams are moving, it's never been easier to get yards and points in the history of the NFL than right now. And we can't do it. 
and it's, it's 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 you can't even you can't even say it's a lack of talent. We think Debo Samuel is one of the five or six or seven best receivers in the NFL. Everybody keeps telling me that Brandon Ayuk in a pass-heavy offense would be a sixteen hundred yard receiver, a fifteen hundred yard receiver. Well, that would put him in the conversation to be one of the twenty or fifteen best receivers in the NFL. He's somewhere there. George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Shanahan is one of the best play callers. And yet we cannot have an offense that's explosive, that puts up points, that has any opportunity of doing anything besides controlling a game and not losing it when your defense can win you the game. Arkham, as watching on the Facebook page, makes a good point, something I wanted to bring up. He said the offense struggled for the entire game against the bad defense. That's the weird thing. For a guy that's supposed to be an offensive wizard, his offenses can struggle against anyone. They couldn't run the ball against the Falcons, who suck against the run. His offense stops itself. That is what is so frustrating. It, it seems to me like no matter what, it's just like any given day, the offense can completely shut down. It doesn't matter how bad the other team is. Look at, at the games against Seattle. The Seahawks defense has sucked for years, and yeah. yet they can never move the ball on the Seahawks. I don't know why his offense can stop itself, but it does. And, and yesterday he had a good thing going, right? They found a real rhythm. The first third down of the game, Garoppolo had a three-man rush. He had all day to step up. He didn't step up in the pocket. Apparently, Kittle was wide open. I have not seen that particular play on film yet, so I don't know. But everyone said Kittle was wide open. He didn't throw him the ball. And he ultimately, you know, his feet, he got happy feet. He took a hit that he shouldn't have taken because he had two yards in front of him in the pocket. By the way, it was third and two, so he could also run for that first down. But he didn't do anything, and he threw like a sidearm flick into a tight window into Juwan Jennings with his body moving left and Juwan Jennings coming back right, high difficulty throw, he missed him, and that was the first third down. After that, Shanahan started bringing in his screen game, right? It was screen to check, screen to Kittle, screen to Ayuk, screen to Debo. Offense started picking up a rhythm. In the second half, they after the one drive, after they missed those two explosive plays, the score is still 28-14. Mark Schlereth is saying on the broadcast that Kyle Shanahan told him that the one thing he's learned about the NFL this year is as long as you keep running the ball and you stick with running the ball, you have a chance in any game. And he said that he told him that he believed they would have won the Denver game if they just stuck with running the football. Well, they got away from the run game yesterday. They got away <laughs> from the screen game. They went straight into the drop back pass game. So he did panic. He went away from exactly what he told Schlereth before the game. And here's what makes me even more frustrated when you add on top of that like you're talking about you know okay he's talking about going away from the run game he's talking about all of these things I okay I'm totally understanding I get it okay you're in a down two scores you have to throw the ball whatever you're gonna put yourself in a drop back pass game situation there's just nothing explosive about this offense when they drop back and pass there's nothing explosive about it Every Falcons corner is just getting hurt, getting hurt, getting hurt. And we can't take one shot. We can't do the Brian Allen on somebody. And I, I hate call, going after play calling, Rob, right? I hate doing it because I think there's so much that goes into schematics, how you plan for a game and how you call for a game. But some of the things I remember from Shanahan in 2019, the season when the offense was really good. Will you get into a 14-0 situation? Oh, Shanahan's going to pull out a throwback screen to Richie's James. And yeah, his quarterback might be struggling. It doesn't matter. He just has to be able to throw it 10 yards to a wide open guy down the field. That's a free 60 yards. Oh, his offense is struggling. Fine. Shanahan's going to get Kyle Juszczyk wide, na wide, but naked, wide open, 20 <laughs> yards down the field. That's free, 40 yards right there. Those are things that are going to happen. And everything with this offense, even the explosive plays when they do get them right, like the Ray Ray McLeod play, that was a great throw and it was a great call versus a great look. But what we're missing, because, you know, those are called in every game, is the Shanahan specials where the quarterback doesn't have to execute or even make a great throw. Like there's just a free built-in explosive that he has schemed up. And we're missing that, I feel like, that extra juice or the misdirection in the run game. Like the the when they go to end arounds and sweet sweeps and reverses with Debo Samuel always seems so bizarre because every game he's in motion, right? But only two or three games – Every two or three games, we see Debo Samuel brought into the run game that way. Like yesterday, the two carries were just out of the backfield, hand the ball to Debo and do it like that. I, I have so many questions. There's so many schematic questions that I don't have the answer to that I'm kind of confused by that 
you would actually have to hear him talk about it. And we would, I, I never would get that opportunity to actually ask those questions, but yeah, I I'm so I'm, I'm perplexed, Rob. That's the correct word. I'm perplexed. One more point I want to get to before we call it a day. And that is something that I, cause I keep seeing this on Twitter and I see it in the comments as we do this show. Well, we just got to wait till we get healthy. Wait till we get our guys back. Wait till this person comes back. Wait till Trent Williams comes back. Guess what? Don't assume that's going to happen. That may never happen. You know, fans have this tendency when people are hurt to be like, well, we'll just assume everybody's going to stay healthy until these other people come back. That is not how it works, especially for this team. So if you think that we're going to get Trent Williams back and that, and McGlinchey's going to come back however long he's out, and then our offense is going to be whole again, and then we'll be good. No, just like the defense. Everybody's not going to stay healthy until Aziz comes back, until Jimmy Ward comes back. Obviously, yeah. Mosley's not coming back, but until maybe Armstead can play for a few games. Like, you Moody cannot – Yeah, you can't assume that we're going to be whole again. So you can't just say, wait till we come back, because th they're still playing games every week. The league is not going to stop and wait for us. So you got to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate that you say that. I You threw in the – especially with this team that one that one hurts a little bit rob but yeah Am I that's wrong? reality no you're not wrong it just it's it's just a very sad state of affairs there's an issue with this team the 49ers getting injured i'll tell you one thing and i don't care if this is fair or not have to fire their training staff after this season have to you have to you have to at least try to do something differently then you've done it in the past to bring all this group back and just say, well, we're, we're, we're Kyle always says, Oh yeah, we tweak things all the time. Well, don't tweak it, burn it to the ground. Okay. Rip it out to the studs. You have to do something. You cannot keep rolling the same methods, the same training staff out there. I know they've already changed it once change it again. That's fine, but you have to do something differently at some point. Just go to the Rams and double and triple their salaries because the Rams are never hurt for Sean McVay's entire yeah. tenure. They've been one of the top 10 least injured teams. Find people and bring them in because this you have to make it at least look like you're doing something different. And and people don't realize how uncomfortable that thing is to do, right? Which is why we don't see just training staffs get fired left, right, center. Because new training staff means you change everything. You have a new way of doing things in your building. That could change how you practice. That could change what you're forcing your players to eat, their nutrition habits, all these things. Like, you know, I'm sure there's some level of consistency with every training staff because they're all equipping these people to play football and medical science while it defers individual to individual in terms of what they believe is truly helpful, there are certain facts that everyone is going to follow. So, but still there's going to be differences that I think are what causes the reluctance to change the training staff because it makes drastic changes within your building. Here's my other question. But how could it get worse? How could it get worse? <laughs> that's, that's true. But seeing Javon Kinlaw's knee act up coming off the ACL injury and knowing that him and, right, they blame the turf, but the Jets and the Giants play eight games a year. Exactly. And the Giants have won two Super Bowls in my lifetime. And the NFL is a grain of a game of attrition. So if you're winning a Super Bowl, you're usually pretty healthy. So, yeah. Um, but not to go off on that tangent, what I really wanted to ask you, Rob, is now we've seen two guys. Them, They've drafted two guys with real – what people called medical concerns coming out of college, right? Like in terms of long-term health, Nick Bosa had an injury, but nobody was worried about an issue. It was Javon Kinlaw and Reuben Foster. There were medical concerns where teams took Reuben Foster off their board for his shoulder. And there were issues where teams took Javon Kinlaw off their board because of his knee. The Niners swore that Reuben Foster didn't need surgery. He was going to be hundred percent. Okay. And that he was not a medical exemption. And that was the training staff that got fired, by the way. Watch, <laughs> just so we're being 100% here. They, they, they got fired. And remember Reuben Foster's first year, the only year he played when he played pretty well. Reuben Foster exited every game twice a game because his shoulder hurt after tackling somebody. And then he, he would come back drilling in. Drilling people. Yeah. And so, I, I again, I don't know if that one... What, what the long-term effects are there, but I saw a guy holding his shoulder, going out. I saw being like, oh God, Reuben Foster's hurt again. And two plays later, Reuben Foster's back. Now with Javon Kinlaw, we are seeing that the concerns about his knee 
and it being degenerative and it being something he may ultimately not be able to overcome. Things that, by the way, have nothing to do with his talent and production on the field, which have actually been like, okay, not 14th overall pick in the draft, but it's not been bad. He's been solid. Yeah, it's been solid. And so when you go there and there's these issues with the diagnosis of his knee, and then I just see, you know, he started off as a day-to-day. They they don't think it's a big deal. Next thing you know, he's on IR. Eric Armstead is co- currently going through that same process. They asked Kyle about Elijah Mitchell, and it was a, uh, I, I think he's on track. He's doing everything right. And then you know when Elijah Mitchell is scheduled to come back a week before, Shanahan will say, oh, he had a step back, so we had to hold him out for another two or three weeks. It just seems consistent with this team. And I don't know if it's the initial diagnosis is wrong because I am not in the medical field. So I cannot give you that they're doing this right or they're doing this wrong. But something is not lining up in the way that it seems to line up for other teams. There seems to be constant setbacks. And then you made the most profound point last week. And I would like you to speak on it because it is the similarity in the injuries that players seem to get season to season on this football team. Yeah, it's weird. In 2020, it was like the high ankle sprain, I think, was the thing. And then this year, it's MCL injuries. And this year, it's groin injuries. Kittle, groin injury. Mooney Ward, we just saw, groin injury. Nick Bosa, groin injury. I don't know why, like, there needs to be an injury theme every year, but it seems like there are. These are soft tissue injuries. Again, and you bring up a good point. There's a human element to changing a training staff. These training staff has been here for a couple years, so they have a familiarity with the guys on the team. I get all that. Well, my point is it can't get worse. It literally cannot get worse. Like, what are you afraid of losing? The guy that's been done best with his injuries is Nick Bosa. Guess what he does? He don't listen to the 49ers training staff. He has his own people. He manages his body. He has his own rehab program, everything. And the Niners said, you know what? You're good because you're Nick Bosa, so you can do that. Well, maybe they need to hire that frigging guy, man. The Chargers old uh, strength coach, I think, is who it was, actually. He's the one ACL recovery, too, that's had no issues besides Jimmy Garoppolo. The rest of the ACL injuries with the 49ers, Jet McKinnon, had major issues. Well, Um, you know, the same guy did did Bosa and Garoppolo's knee, Dr. Neil Elitrosh. It's the same surgeon. Okay, maybe that had something to do. Do the 49ers recommend a different surgeon, the Stanford guy? I don't know, but they got to fix this, man. They they have to do something because you cannot keep it the same. It's just cutting down this roster and it's grinding this whole thing. We always talk about the Super Bowl window, the Super Bowl window. Guess what? It's shutting that window. That window is closed right now. And we could be for the second straight year, three and five after eight games because they got a game against the Chiefs next week that they're probably not going to win, especially with the defense as banged up as it is. And then they got the Rams again. And I keep saying it's not it. You can't just assume you're going to beat the Rams every week. They could very, very easily be three and five going into the bye. Well, good thing we know they've bounced back with three and from three and five before, at least. I hate that. Like you cannot <laughs> count on that. Like it's you. It's not the same. It's a different year. It's a different thing. And again, I get. We said it at the top, and I want to restate it here for anybody that happened to hop in late. I get that the offense, like this, wasn't the initial plan. They did recognize their need to evolve. That's why they wanted Trey in there. Their offense was different under Trey. I think they understood that to their credit, but. You don't have Trey anymore. Again, you can't just throw Mm -hmm. up your hands and say, well, we don't have Trey. There's nothing we can do. That's bull. You got to do better than this. Do better. That's my message to the 49ers offense. I'll I'll leave you with these two things, Rob. One's a positive, one's a negative. One's a positive that's actual fact. The negative is more just fan instinct. The positive is, actually, I don't know if this is a positive. It's (laughs) a news But the Arizona Cardinals have put Hollywood Brown on IR. He's out for the season. He fractured his foot. And they also traded for Robbie Anderson as his replacement. I I think the positive here is you add Robbie Anderson after his tantrum yesterday to what's already an ongoing mess with Kyler Cliff and Kime. And it seems like you're adding the correct mixture for a ginormous explosion. So we're all winning in terms of TV and how interesting that's going to be. But then we're also all winning because, you know, Arizona is right now a very troubled football team. My kind of negative and fan instinct is what you're talking about right now. And I think what we're kind of taking for granted is that the Niners are remaining obviously first in the NFC West. And we look at Arizona and the Rams and we say, well, 
you know, they're not doing well. They have so many more issues than even the Niners that the Niners are in a good spot. They're going to win this division. The sleeping giant in this division is actually Seattle. And it's Seattle because of the coach they have. And they are built, Rob. You know that this Seattle team is built to come steal a playoff spot from a injured <laughs> Niners team just because Pete Carroll's got all these young guys. He's got them all hyped up and playing great. The two tackles they drafted, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, have been terrific, especially Abraham Lucas. The corner he picked, Tariq Woolen, it looks like he might have hit on something special once again. And he's got a team that, you know, it's it's the classic Pete Carroll team, the underdog, high-energy never quit, we believe kind of team that, you know, his first teams in Seattle, they started off that way with Tavares Jackson at quarterback. That team used to give the 49ers in 2011 even. It took a 41-yard circus catch from Michael Crabtree to beat Tavares Jackson with uh, one of the great defenses in the history of the NFL to not win a Super Bowl. Yeah, so When Geno when I, Smith looks better than Jimmy Garoppolo, like, and Eugene, their offense. Gino Smith is playing like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Well, like when, so they found a way to do it. Nobody thought Gino Smith was going to be any good. They found a way to move the ball. So yeah, let's see Kyle do better. He really needs to, and it's got to start now. I mean, literally it's now or never. We are once again, backed up into that situation with this team and we'll see if they can respond. That's going to do it for this edition of the show, which has no name. We need a name for this show. We need your help. So please leave a review. Leave a five-star rating, leave a review, give us your name suggestions. We're going to pick one. And just so everybody knows, it's not going to be Mondays with Vish, okay? that That's over. This is a new right. thing now. So right. we need your name suggestions. Hit us up. You can also uh, hit us up on Twitter. I am on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Vish is on Twitter at? Vish Kumarin. And yeah, and just to add to that, right? Mondays with Vish, we know that that's a name that people would suggest. That was a show with me and Grant. It was a really great show. It's come to an end, but I want to preserve, obviously, that name for that show. I'm excited for this new journey. It's me and Stats here. Like I said before, my favorite content creator in the Niners kind of like sphere of content creators. And so I would love to hear a new good name that kind of, you know, show kind of just highlights where the show is going to go with me and Rob here. Nick Ellard on the YouTube page says Vish and Dish. Not bad. I do like a rhyme, but I don't know. Keep them coming. That's a that's a good entry. But uh, yeah, we'll take them. Again, leave your rating and review. And if you take the time to leave a uh, review, I promise you, good, bad, or ugly, we take the time to read it on the show. That's how we roll on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Vish, I thank you very much. I'm very excited for the chance to do this every Monday with you. We'll get it rolling here. We're going to ramp things up as we go along. But I think this is going to be fun. And I just want to say thank you for being part of the team. Thank you so much, Rob. Really excited. Like I mentioned, very excited to do a show with you. And I'm looking forward to doing this every Monday. Hopefully after some a couple of Niner victory Mondays. Yes. Where we could be happy. Yes. All right. That's going to do it, everybody. Try to enjoy the rest of your Monday. <laughs>